What's up y'all, Daphne here and welcome back to Seriously What the Frick. So for this week, I don't want to say this is a cool story because it's really not. This guy was pretty, pretty, pretty horrible. And um, I, yeah, so he's pretty bad. Um, you know, rest in peace to all of his victims. I, I just, I wish they got a little bit of a better story. Yeah, but have you guys heard of The Dangerous Game? Um, you probably read it in middle school or even high school. It's a short story by Richard Connell that was published in 1924. And long story short, pun not intended. It's about this guy that like falls off of this boat and like falls into the sea and then gets washed up onto this island. And he meets this like Russian aristocrat that lives on the island. He has this giant fucking mansion, you know, and he gets invited into the house and he's the Russian aristocrat's hunter. And so you can see all of his like prized game on the walls. They're like eating dinner and this is also from a really bad memory. Like this is when I read this in eighth grade a long ass time ago. I don't even remember when eighth grade was for me. So I didn't bother refreshing on it. So I'm, I'm sorry if this is all completely wrong. I could have just done that, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> but during dinner, this guy's like, oh yeah, I also like to do this thing where I like hunt people and I release them to the woods. So that's what happens to this guy, the guy that got washed up. He ends up getting released into the woods and hunted by this hunt by this Russian aristocrat. And I don't think they were armed. And I think it's like if they survived until sunrise, they were allowed to leave. Some shit like that. I don't remember. I, I wasn't there. So that's pretty much the story. Um, really bad, you know, general synopsis. And I'm sorry. But pretty much this weird Russian dude hunts people. That is that is what I'm trying to get across. He hunts people. And then for some reason, this has just like sparked an interest ever since this was published again in the 20s, like uh, movies, freaking people, you know, TV shows, books, et cetera, et cetera, have all like just had this weird fascination with people hunting other people in the way that you would hunt animals. So it's just created this weird like frenzy, I guess. You don't really hear about it anymore, but it was definitely... It's a lot popular. I don't remember when, but it was a lot popular at some point after the book was published. So it was just kind of an interesting concept that people will talk about and then made shit out of. And then this is how we got to the story. Spoiler alert, this guy hunts people. I know, sorry. But the weird thing is I actually can't find any relation with this guy getting his like inspiration from the short story. Or what? I think this is just, I mean, tor- I, I kind of figured out why he ended up doing it, but um, I can't find any relation of this is like how he got the inspiration from. I'm just going to stop talking and I'm just going to fucking get on with the story. I'm sorry. Okay. So this week we are talking about the butcher baker of Alaska, Robert Hansen. Robert Christian Hansen was born in Estreville, Iowa on February 15th of 1939. Not much is really known about his childhood except for a few things. He was super shy as a kid, like painfully so. He was often described as being very quiet and a quote loner. He had a very difficult time getting along with his father who was very controlling. Um, His dad was actually often described as being domineering. He had expected his son to work at a bakery shop at 2 a.m. Even on school days, he worked very long, grueling hours and then on top of school. He had really bad acne that permanently scarred him. He had a really bad stutter issue that formed since he was initially left-handed, like he was naturally left-handed, but he was forced to use his right. And that somehow, like, 
fucked up his brain to make him stutter. So that was like a lifelong thing that he got bullied for a lot. And girls that Robert found attractive never even looked at him. And this kind of created this hatred towards females. And he started getting little fantasies about punishing them and getting revenge. So he got fucked up from a very young age, pretty much. However, Robert was actually really good at hunting. This is kind of how he coped. He started hunting and doing archery. That's kind of how he spent a lot of his time since he didn't have a lot of people to hang out with since he was, you know, a loner and stuff like that. Later on in 1957, Robert enlisted in the Army Reserves and he was in for one year and then he got discharged. Why? Don't know. Probably for being weird. That was probably mean, but like, probably. After he was discharged, he ended up working as an assistant drill instructor for the police academy in Pocahontas, Iowa, and that's when he met a woman and married her in 1960. December 7th, 1960, um, Robert was actually arrested for burning down a Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage, which is a mouthful. What I read is someone like convinced him to do it since, you know, just to kind of get revenge for him not being popular in school. I can't, I saw that on one thing, but I don't even remember where, but I just read it somewhere. So that could be right. It could be wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know much here. But he only ended up serving a 20 months out of a three-year prison sentence. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder with schizophrenic episodes, which at the time, in 1960, was called manic depression. And he possibly had an infantile personality and was weirdly obsessed with the people who had wronged him and getting revenge. But while he was in prison for burning down a school bus garage, he was divorced in 1962 because that wife was not having none of his shit. So she dipped. After he got out, he kept on being jailed several times for petty theft, but he eventually got his shit together in 1967 when he moved to Anchorage, Alaska with his second wife, who he married in 63. And I think they had two kids already, or they had two kids after they moved to Alaska. I couldn't quite remember. But he ends up being very loved by the community and his neighbors. He set a whole bunch of um, records for hunting and broke several of them. He was, he was really good at hunting. And he ended up opening a small bakery too, which is how he got the name Bob the Butcher Baker. But that's that's for later. In December 1971, I guess Homie only gets arrested in December, but he was arrested twice. Once for abducting and attempting rape with a random housewife and then was arrested for raping a sex worker. He was sentenced to five years in prison and about six months into his sentence, he was then placed into a work release program and then released into a halfway house. Then in 1976, Robert pled guilty to larceny when he was caught stealing a chainsaw and then was sentenced again to five years and then was required to receive psychiatric treatment treatment for his bipolar disorder. And then that's when he received a reduced sentence and then was released with time serve. What the fuck? Okay, so now I can finally talk about murder. So it is believed that um, Robert began killing in 1971 um, with his MO or Mondes Operandi, which literally is just Latin for a mode of operating, in case y'all didn't know, which I've mentioned MO multiple times and I'm just now telling you what it means. So there you go. Um, but his MO was believed that he would, no, it wasn't believed. His MO was he would pick up a sex worker in his car, force her into a cabin out in the Canuck River in Manitouska Valley that was only accessible by plane or a boat. And we've talked about the Manitouska River in the Israel Keys episode. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. It's pretty spoopy. And when I mean by force her, she was usually held at gunpoint. No, she was held at gunpoint. And then she would be raped. And then he would fly her out to a weird secluded area in the woods and usually hunt her. So, and that usually ended with her being shot or stabbed. Because this guy is kind of a fucking psycho. There is a lot of victims and I will be naming them all off because they deserve to be named off because they 
deserve this. Um, not to die. Hang on. That's not what I mean. Y'all know what I mean. Like, I, y'all, y'all are putting, picking up what I'm putting down. And some of it's not going to make sense officially. I think it's like the first three or like, I don't, I don't remember the order, but, um, some of it's not going to make any sense. It'll make sense a little bit later. It's all going to come together in a nice pretty bow. Okay. Cecilia Beth Van Zetten was 17 when she went missing on December 22nd in 1971, and she was found December 25th of 1971. Megan Emmerich, 17, went missing July 7th, 1973, and she wasn't found, but Robert is suspected because of weird X on his psycho map, which I'll explain in a minute. Mary Phil, 22, went missing July 5th, and same thing goes for her, but again, X is on the map. Horseshoe Harriet was never identified and was either 20 or 19 when she was found in April 1984. Eklutna Annie, 16 to 25, when she was found July 1st of 1980, she was stabbed in the back and was partially eaten by animals when she was found. She was never identified. Roxanne Eastland was 24 when she went missing in July 28th of 1980 and was never found, but Robert was confe- did confess to killing her. Joanna Messina, 24, was found in July of 1980. Lisa Fertrell was 41 when she was found in May 9th of 1984. Sherry Morrow was 23 when she went missing November 17th of 1981, and she was found September 12th of 1982 in a shallow grave. She was shot in the back, but there's no bullet holes in her clothing, so she was naked and then was redressed before she was buried. Andrea Fish Altry, I think that's how you say her name, was 22 when she went missing on December 2nd of 1981. She was never found, but Robert did confess to killing her. Sue Luna was 23 when she went missing May 26th of 1982, was found April 24th of 1984, shot after being forced to run naked, and then she was shot, obviously. The Lynn Sugar Fry was 20. We don't know when she went missing, but she was found on August 20th of 1985. Paula Golding was 17 when she went missing April 25th, 1983, and was found in September of 1983. Malaya Larson was 28. We don't know when she went missing, but she was found April 24th of 1984. Angela Ferdern was 24. Teresa Watson, whose age we do not know, and we don't know when these two went missing, but they were both found April 26th of 1984. Tamara Tammy Peterson, 20. Not sure when she went missing, but she was found April 29th of 1984. These are just 16 of the girls that we know of that did not make it. Again, some of them we didn't even know if Robert did have anything to do with their deaths. But like I said, I'll explain all of that in a minute. But these are all girls that just got trapped with Robert and it fucking sucks. But there was a 17th girl that kind of just changed everything for Robert. And this is her story. June 13th of 1983, Robert offered 17-year-old Cindy Paulson $200 before moral sex. She got into the car because $200, and he pulled a gun, and now he's beat us, like she was expecting. I guess that was kind of gross of me to say. I'm sorry. Anyway, so he pulls a gun on her, and then he drives her to his home in Muldoon, and then he held her captive, raped her, and tortured her, chained her to a post by her neck in his basement while he took a nap. When he woke up, he put her in the car, took her to the Merrill Field Airport, where he told her she was going to be going to a cabin. So Cindy was in the back of the seat and she had handcuffs on. When Robert was busy loading the cockpit of the airplane, while he was doing that, she crawled to the from the back seat through the driver's side door and ran to the nearest street, which I think was 6th Street. She left her blue sneakers in the car and this was later proof that she was there. Robert saw her sprinting and started to chase after her. 
Cindy made it to the street where she flagged down a passing truck. The truck driver, Robert Hunt, pulled over and picked her up and took her to a nearby hotel called the Mush Inn. So she rushes inside the hotel, begs the clerk to call her boyfriend who either worked or was just staying at the Big Timber Motel, I'm not quite sure. Robert, the truck driver, went back to work, called the police, and reported the fact that he just dropped off a woman who was handcuffed and barefoot at the Mush Inn. The police go to the hotel and ask about a young woman who was handcuffed. They told her she took a cab to the Big Timber Motel, where she was found handcuffed still and by herself in room 110. So the police pick her up and they take her down to the station where she's questioning, like, hey, like, what the fuck happened? And so she says it was Robert. But when Robert was questioned, he completely denied it and that this was just Cindy just trying to cause trouble for him for not paying her extortion demands, lol. Even though the police were well aware of who Robert was, they believed him because he also had an alibi. And then Cindy's case went cold. And remember like those 17 girls, 16 girls they named off? Well, they all died, obviously, like I said before. But there was an Alaskan state trooper that had been a part of an investigation that was piecing shit together for them. Officers had found up to three bodies, the first one never being identified. She was given the name of Klutna Annie since she was found by Klutna Road. The second one was found in a gravel pit named So Word, which is so weird. Um, and that was Joanna Messina. And then Sherry Morrow was discovered in a shallow grave by the Canuck River. The state trooper started to talk to the FBI and requested a criminal psychological profile, which I think we've talked about once. I don't remember what case, but I'm pretty sure I've talked about it. But the profile was an experienced hunter with low self-esteem and history being rejected by women, felt compelled to keep souvenirs such as his victim's jewelry, and he also might stutter. The trooper was named Glenn Froth. I don't know why I didn't mention that earlier, but that's his name. I think that's how you say his name. But Mr. Trooper Glenn investigated multiple suspects with his profile. No one quite fit until he got back to Robert Hansen, who fit the profile and also just so happened to own a plane. So, with Cindy's testimony and about how Robert fit the profile really well, a little too well, the Alaskan police got a search warrant and raided his planes, vehicles, and his house. On October 27th of 1983, they uncovered jewelry that belonged to some of the missing women, as long as a fuck ton of firearms in the corner of his attic. Also, an aeronautical chart was found with 37 little X marks the spot on it, and which was hidden behind Hansen's henboard. A lot of the sites were where some of the bodies were found. That map I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Mary and Megan, that's what I meant by his weird psycho map. So he had this giant map where he had a whole bunch of X's where a lot of these girls were buried. For some reason, he kept on denying that he did any of this, even though they were showing him evidence that was from his own home. But eventually his denial grew into blaming women for bullshit, I don't know, um, and just trying to justify the fact that he was hunting people. How? I don't know. But how or why he thought any of this would work, I, st- I don't know. I don't know any of what his thought process was, but it was dumb and it was clearly a waste of fucking time. Eventually he just started confessing to the evidence as it was presented to him. Then he did admit that his um, that he's been doing attacking and just doing this shit since 1971. Um, His earliest victims were usually between 16 or 19 um, and not sex workers. But then I guess he thought sex workers were easier to... I don't know. That's just... Poor sex workers, man. They're always getting fucking murdered. Have y'all noticed that? Anyway, so Robert Hansen was arrested and charged with assault, kidnapping, multiple weapon offenses, theft, 
insurance fraud. Um, the insurance fraud thing was kind of just, ugh. It, was, it had something to do with trophies not being known to an insurance company, blah, blah, blah. It really doesn't matter. But he does eventually play, um, plead guilty to the four girls, Mara, Messina, Golding, and Eklutna Annie. I like saying that word, Eklutna. Um, and this is when he starts to tell the police about the other woman, and then that's when he showed the seven, uh, the 16 of the gravesites. And these gravesites were in south-central Alaska. Twelve of these investigators had no idea about. Like I mentioned earlier, some of them weren't even reported missing, or they just didn't connect them to Robert, which makes sense why they wouldn't. But there was exes that I never gave up. Remember Mar- Mary and Megan? That's why. So they suspect him for killing them, but he still denies it. There was just a few exes that he was like, no, not happening. Sorry, bud. Um, But 12 of these women were exhumed and then given back to their families. Robert was sentenced 461 years plus life in prison without the possibility of parole. At first, he was living at the United States Penitentiary in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. He was then moved back to Alaska, hung out at the Lemon Creek in Juneau in 1988. And then he was there until he got moved to Spring Creek um, Correctional Center until in Soward until 2014, where he was then transported to the Anchorage Correctional Complex for health reasons. August 21st of 2014, Robert Hansen died at the Alaska Regional Hospital in Anchorage due to natural causes. He was 75 years old. And that is all I have for you guys this week. Holy shit, right? Um, I know this was a little bit shorter, but it's still pretty fucked up for y'all. Let me know what y'all think, either on the YouTube, if you're listening there, or on the Instagram, or both at Seriously with the Furicle. So check out the Twitter. I don't really post on there, but there's Twitter. Also, check out the fucking Patreon. You won't be disappointed. Cool merch that only lasts till the start of next season, which this season ends in November, and I won't be starting season three until the very beginning of January. So go check it the fuck out, okay? Cool ass merch. And you only have you have to be a part of my Patreon for three months for you to get it. So I'm just, if you start now, you can still get the cool merch. It's really fucking cool. Um, also, how about help me out so I sound better? Um, you can also really hear my speech impediment in this episode. I'm so sorry, but there you go. Fucked up episode for this. Go check out the Patreon. I'm just gonna keep telling you to tell check out the Patreon until you'll start doing it. I'm just gonna throw it in your face until y'all start doing it. Please, I like doing this, and I don't like doing it for free. I'm kidding, I will do this for free to the day that I die, but it would be really cool if y'all helped me out, make maybe help me make this sound better because I know the sound's a little funky sometimes. Be kind, make decent decisions, and I'll see you guys next week at the brand new episode that'll make y'all say seriously, what the frick. Bye, y'all.